0: Turn together to Matthew chapter eleven. So for the next couple of weeks, um, I'm not sure about next week because I know uh, Mardi Gras is already here, and um, I think that this is going to be really important. So I don't know how if I'll maybe skip this part of the series next week because um, I think. I, I know like our numbers, our numbers will be down. Not that it's about numbers, but uh, I think that there are uh, every Sunday night is significant. I think this series, God's been uh, cultivating this and growing this in us for a while and stuff like that. So it may not be next week. We'll have to, we'll have to see. But I've um, in studying and prepping for this kind of put together a four part thing uh, looking at at spiritual formation um, or discipleship, or whatever you want to call it, uh, however you you want to think of it. Um, the idea that, uh, like Paul says in Galatians, that Christ is being formed in us, and that is a process that is um, something that uh, begins when we are uh, when we come to know Christ as Savior and as Lord. Uh, we begin this this process where He makes us more and more into his image. It's a transformation that happens uh, as we walk with him. And um, the thing about discipleship is that it's, uh, it's a reflection of God in that uh, he, he built learning. Uh, well, he built learning into like us, into the fabric of how we live life together. Um, it's a, just such a major part of everything. Um, and it seems very crucial to our makeup Uh, But the reason, like the way that he wired us together and and put everything together is that we learn relationally because God is relational. So the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, they have a relationship with each other. And so he's put us in a situation where through the relationships that we have with each other, we learn things. Um, It happens, starts when we're little bitty and we learn things from our parents and from Maybe siblings or people we go to school with and teachers and stuff. We're always learning, uh, but it's not the kind of thing where where he just like downloads information to us. We learn it through relationships. And in that sense, we're a reflection of our God who is uh, in and of himself a relationship, Father, Son, Spirit. And so uh, this is a way that we reflect him and are created very specifically. And so learning is something that's... Uh, it's just part of, of us. And if you look in Matthew 11, starting verse 28, um, we're going to get into a, a little bit more depth at the end. But you see, here's, this is Jesus that is speaking. And he extends this beautiful invitation. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In verse 29, when he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, that's what he's inviting us into. He's inviting us into this this classroom of sorts. He's saying, hey, come to me, and I want you to learn from me. And so that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday nights for the next couple of weeks is learning and what that looks like and what it, it should look like and what holds us back and makes us fearful about learning and teaching and how that's supposed to work in a in a horizontal sense, you know, us among each other. But also, how does it work vertically? Um, and so in, in putting the kind of four parts together, it'll, it'll be kind of like the conflict resolution series where there's kind of a found, some foundational ideas Uh, There'll be some, uh, we'll address the fears and hesitations that hold us back. We'll get into some of the practicalities of what that looks like um, interpersonally with each other and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to kind of take a somewhat of a logical progression. But in an effort to uh, to sort of build a case for learning, um, I just kind of went through, and this this is just off the top of my head, uh, which is not meant to impress you because it won't. But uh, I basically say that to say, like, I didn't do in-depth research. I didn't pull this out of a book. I was just thinking, what are, what are examples from Scripture where we see people learning things? You know, what is biblical, scriptural proof that we are wired up to learn uh, from God and from each other? I'm, I'm going to give you 12, because that's how long my list was. So um, I'll give you 12 real quick. Uh, so we know, in, and they'll kind of go chronologically through the Bible, um, It'll go, yeah, yeah. Maybe not true chronologically because the Bible is kind of out of order at times. But uh, it'll go from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. How about that? Um, The first one, we know that that so Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. We know that Cain uh, worked in the fields; he worked the crops. We know that Abel uh, took care of the sheep, so he was a shepherd. Um, It's there's no biblical proof that Adam and Eve. Um, were, I mean, he kind of like, you know, he made Adam out of dirt. He made her out of his rib or whatever. And so they were, you know, whatever. But um, So I'm not real sure about them, but there's no way that Cain or Abel were born just knowing how to tend to the crops, knowing how to tend to the sheep. They had to learn that at some point. Um, and so that's just a deduction that I made. So there's one example um, Noah, when it came time to build the ark, God didn't just say, hey, build a boat big enough for. Two of every animal on the planet and your family to survive the biggest, worst flood that will ever come, ever, ever, ever. Where every bit of water I've ever made is all going to be on the earth. Uh, he didn't assume that Noah knew how to do that. He gave him very specific instructions to make it out of gopher wood and this is how long it needs to be and how wide it needs to be and all that kind of stuff. So all that instruction, that's uh, so that Noah could learn how to build a boat big enough to do that, right? All right. Three. Um, when Moses had to go in to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, right? Uh, God gave him specific instructions. You didn't know that was coming, did you? Um, he had to give him very specific instructions on how to do that. He said, this is what you need to say, and this is how you need to say it. And this is when you need to throw the staff down, and this, all this kind of stuff. So he, God coached him in how to do that because he didn't know, apart from that, he had to learn how to do that. Um, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, instead of going straight shot to the promised land, uh, God took them kind of this really weird path because they didn't have the faith it was going to take to go into the promised land, trust God enough to go in and fight those battles, knowing that he would supply the victory. And so God took them off to the side to teach them how to trust him. They had to learn trust and so that's where uh, manna from heaven, you know, they're like, we don't have any food. And he's like, I'll give you food. You need to learn to trust me. They're like, we don't have any water. And he's like, go hit that rock. Water will come out. You need to learn to trust me. So they had to learn faith. And so God took them off out of kind of a one translation calls it. he took them a roundabout way uh, for them to learn faith. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six is the, uh, the Shema. Uh, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes on to tell parents to teach that to your children. He says, as you're walking along, you need to teach them this. When you get up in the morning, you need to teach this. You need to nail this on your doorpost and write it on your, like tie it to your body, all this kind of stuff. You need to, like he in Deuteronomy six is instilling and building into the community of Israel, parents training their children in the faith because learning is uh, part of it. Um, we see with Samuel and, and Eli, um, you know, there's this like um, this learning how to hear the voice of the Lord to discern, like, is this God talking to me, or is it you talking to me? And this and this and this. And there's a there's a mentorship that happens there. There's this beautiful coaching moment that we'll get into in a couple of weeks. Um, but that's how we learn from each other. Is like I. Are, I don't really know what to do with this. And then the veteran is going like, here's what you need to do, you know, rookie, and that kind of stuff. We see that as demonstrated there between them. Um, Solomon, the fact that he sat down and wrote all the Proverbs and stuff, that was for his kids. That's what he did. Even David writes some for his kids' sake. There's this passing on one generation to another that we see in the Scriptures. Um, Jesus goes and calls his disciples. They're out, like, fishing and he's like, hey, come follow me. I'll teach you how to catch men. And that probably sounds really weird at first, but they dropped what they were doing and followed him because he was a rabbi. And so a rabbi comes up and says, hey, come after me. I'm going to teach you some things. Uh, and that's why they dropped their uh, nets and they dropped what they were doing and left the family business because they wanted to learn from Jesus. Um, we see the disciples at one point, they go to Jesus and they're like, hey, will you teach us how to pray? I mean, obviously, you, you know how to pray and it's huge in your life and very important. And we want to learn, will will you teach us? There's this request to be able to learn. Um, The relationship between Paul and Timothy, uh, we see that that Paul was Timothy's mentor and was training him in ministry, but also had become a father figure to him because Timothy's dad, there's no account of his dad being around. And uh, just that relationship there that had formed in uh, discipleship between those two. Um, We see as Paul goes around and is planting churches, he's um, like people are converting to Christianity and then he's training them, pulling out some of the, some of the leaders who have the gifts of pastoring and training them up as elders. And then whenever they are ready, he hands it all over to them and says, all right, y'all keep going. I'm going to go over here and do the same thing. That's all Paul's missionary journeys. He's doing that. He's training up disciples and pastors uh, we see that learning that's going on, um, and the last thing in Titus, uh, we talked about this passage in community groups a few weeks ago. Uh, it's the older men teach the younger men, the older women teach the younger women. There should be this this learning and teaching built into the DNA of a healthy community. Uh, those are just twelve off the top of my head, and I'm sure that there's more uh, examples from the Bible that uh, when it comes to us learning and growing. Um, there has to be this teachability that's there. You know. That's how he made us. We're made to learn things. We're meant to learn new things and then to get better at those things. And then once we're better at those things, we start training other people to do those things and for them to get better at those things. And it's this ongoing cycle that happens interpersonally and relationally between us. Um, so all that in mind, uh, there's two big points that I want to make. Um. There are two patterns that we see, and those examples I just kind of just blasted through really fast. There's two patterns that we see uh, existing there. Um, one is that we learn directly from Jesus. We learn directly from Him. And the second one is that we learn indirectly from Jesus through other people. Okay, We learn directly from Jesus Himself, and we learn indirectly from Jesus through other people. So He's teaching us, both In both situations, okay, whether it's directly to you or it's through someone else to you. He is the, he's the, the source, he's the origin of all of those things. But that's how we learn. There's two environments, straight from him or from him through other people. Um, the first one, how we learn directly from Jesus, this, uh, this is going to come down to, uh, to our, our life of abiding in Christ. You know, which we talk about a lot around here, um, maybe to the point where sometimes we are like, what does that mean again? You know, like it's, such, it's like thrown around so much and like, what was that uh, abiding in Christ is it is that relational dependence upon him. It's all the ways that we stay connected to him relationally. Uh, the reason the word abide is used is because Jesus used it and he talked about a, a vine and its branches or the trunk of a tree and its branches, you know, and he's like, I'm the trunk, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can't do anything. So a branch that's severed from the trunk, laying on the ground, it can't bear any fruit. All it can do is shrivel up and die. It's like, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul says, through Christ, I can do anything. So connected to Christ, uh, that branch is alive and it bears fruit and it is healthy and it does everything it needs to do. And so the word abide is that it's that attachment to Christ, like a branch to the trunk. You know, it's the it's the weaving together of those uh, of all the the fibers of the tree. And it's the it's the the trunk itself soaking up all the water and nutrients from the ground and passing those into the branch. That's what Christ does to us. He's our life source. All right. He's where everything begins. Uh, He's the one that is feeding us and supplying us and sustaining us and keeping us alive it's because of Him that our lives produce any fruit at all. Our job is just to stay attached. So when we think abide, we think, think about that attachment. Think about where that branch comes into that trunk. That that joint right there, that togetherness, that's the abiding. And so how do we do that? Uh, the Bible points to all kinds of things like reading the Bible. Uh, the Bible points to itself as a, a means. That's how we, we do that because... Uh, apart from the Spirit at work, we can't understand the Bible without the Spirit helping us understand it. And so that's like daily life in the Word, that being very consistent. Not only like, not only like having time each day when we're like digging into the Scriptures, but also being obedient to those things, learning from those things, growing from those things, applying those things to our lives. All that stuff, everything we talked about in summer community groups, all that is uh, is a part of how He teaches us directly. He's like, hey, open up, open up the Bible. Start reading and ask me to teach you. And when you're reading it you're like, oh, wait, I, I never really thought about this before. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's Him teaching you directly through the Bible, um, in prayer, in that, in that um, like, our communication with Him in that regard of, of us bringing all of our gratitude to Him, bringing our needs to Him, bringing our disappointments to Him, bringing our questions, bringing all these things to Him, uh, that is like how He teaches us like, directly. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through uh, Mary. We don't have to go through anyone else. We have this direct access to Him. And, um, and so that's a way that He teaches us directly, is by us saying, well, I don't know what to do here, or thank you so much for this, or however that needs to look in your prayer life. And then we, and we not only do all the talking, but we kind of stop and we uh, pause, you know, and, again, to just let Him speak back to us. And learning how to do that, like that's kind of confusing sometimes. uh, But that's what we learn to do. So we learn how to interact with the Scriptures. We learn how to pray. We learn how to listen. We learn how to walk in obedience. Um, We learn all those things directly from Him. And so when Jesus says, come to me and learn from me, He's not saying, like, come learn about me from this book. He's saying, no, no, come learn like from me directly. I'm going to use this book. I'm going to use the Bible. I'm going to use prayer. I'm going to use all these things. But you need to know it's me like speaking directly into your life. And we live in a culture where there's a lot of confusion about that and whatever. But make no mistake about it. The Bible tells us that because of what Christ has done, we have direct access to him. There's no need for these like anything else. It's direct. And so a lot of what we do uh, here on Sunday nights and in our community groups and stuff is we're we're talking about that. And we're trying to equip one another with how to how to invest in that that first point right there, that learning directly from him. And so in our community groups, you know, we changed the format up this year and and we're all adjusting to it and trying to figure out how this works, you know. And, um, trying to get more, uh, more efficient together and being able to hear, hey, let, let's begin our group tonight talking about the most important relationship in your whole life. How are you and Jesus doing? What are you learning directly from Him? What are you struggling with? Uh, what does your abiding life look like right now? And yeah, I understand it's weird probably to go into a group and everybody's talking about that, and maybe you don't want to say, like, guess what? I don't pray. I understand that's not a very comfortable thing to do. And that's why in our groups we don't make we don't go around and make everybody answer, you know. But there's a goodness in confessing those kinds of things and talking about that. Because really, when you say, hey, I do not pray, what you're really saying is, I have I haven't learned how to pray yet. And we'll get to some of that here in a second. But there's this direct, like learning directly from Jesus. And so um that's a, a big part of what we do here on Sundays, and that's why, uh, like, so much goes into it. Like, it's not just a, hey, we're going to do this service to give you something to listen to, to give you something to do, to give you something whatever. It's um, believing that this time is very purposed, you know, that this time is to, for us to be equipped to be able to sit down one-on-one with Jesus and learn from Him. Uh, and I don't know if you see it that way, but I, ho- I hope that you do. And and I'll be honest, there are, are there are times when I don't see it that way either, and I have to let him remind me of the significance of what we do. Not that it's all about music or all about preaching. He's like, no, no, this is a time, this is a time where the most important relationship in life is being cultivated. Uh, so, you know, there's been some buzz lately. Uh, a guy named Donald Miller wrote a blog post uh, talking about like why he doesn't go to church very often and stuff, and it's. Because he doesn't he doesn't inter, he doesn't interact with God through music and he doesn't like lecture you know he's like I connect with God with other ways you know and, um, I think it just got a lot of buzz because he's like a fairly fairly well known Christian author and stuff and a lot of people were talking about it a lot of criticism and all this kind of stuff and I just felt very sad not necessarily at him but just in general that there's so many people um, and and so many people who fail to see the the beauty of the gathering of the saints you know. That Here we have this corporate opportunity to hear directly from Christ and to be equipped in us drawing near to him in this in this regard, that this is where we are refined in our learning about how to listen to Jesus Christ speak to us and teach us and learn from him. Uh, It's a beautiful gathering. And I just I was reading that and all the like hubbub about it, whatever. And I was just like, man. May, may we never fall into the trap where we, where we don't value the gathering of the saints. And that's not meant to beat him up. It's merely meant to try and elevate this understanding of what happens when we're together here, community groups, also in one-on-ones with people, all that kind of stuff. So we learn directly from Jesus, uh, and that's at his invitation. The second thing, and this is where we're going to really focus for in the next couple weeks, um, is that we learn indirectly from Jesus like through other people in the family. So when I say indirectly, I just mean, I think you I hope you understand what I mean, that, that if I sit down with someone and they're teaching me something, it's Jesus teaching me something through this person. So anybody that, like in your community group, let's say, let's say you're a community group leader, let's say they're really just bringing it, like they're just bringing it one night. I mean, strong, strong, strong. It's Jesus bringing it. Just through this person, so it's indirectly, but it's still from him as the source, um, and we do this through other people in the family. And uh, I had a friend ask me the other day, email me, and just want to know if I had made a shift in my terminology on purpose that I'm saying family a whole lot more than community. And uh, I really had to think about it, like, because it's not like I don't am I strategic in my like vernacular in that regard? But I was like, yeah, I guess I have been saying that a lot more. And, um, I think that's been a lot of where I've just been personally uh, in the last several months is, is realizing that the Bible talks a lot in terms of family. And community is a great term, and it's very important, uh, and it conveys a lot of things. But scripturally, you don't see community. You see brothers and sisters. You see sons and daughters. You see this family terminology, you know, and... Um, and so when it comes to the, the idea that we learn from each other, it makes a lot of sense, because the family is where we learn everything, really. Like your blood family is where you learn so much, right? I mean, you learn, you learn little stuff, like you learn how to tie your shoes, right? That's in your like, family, family, like your mom and dad, brothers and sisters type family. You learn, you learn to walk there. You learn how to talk. You learn to throw a ball. I mean, there's all these like things that are, uh, just part of life that you learn there. You know, when you're like, when you when a little one goes from crawling to like kind of want to stand up, you don't ship them off to boarding school to learn how to toddle, you know, like that is a skill that's developed in the home. Uh, I, I hope, I hope if I offended anyone whose kid is currently at Toddling Academy, then I pro- <laughs> I apologize to you. But, uh, That's just kind of how it happens when you start to learn to talk and all these kind of things. There's all these life skills that we learn from, like, our blood family. Um, There's also, like, um, there's, like, uh, a lot of our values we learn there. That's where you learn what's important. And you learn uh, what takes precedence over something else. And you uh, you learn what's really important versus what you say is important, you know. You learn uh, a lot of those kind of things, so that your values develop according to the family dynamic. You learn, um, you learn your like ethics and morals there. You know, so if you grow up and you learn that like, it's okay to lie, uh, you learn that when you're young. You know, um, and it's okay to steal or it's okay to be deceptive or it's okay to be whatever. We learn in our families. We learn how to treat people. Right? We learn um, that this is, this is what it means to, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself uh, in actual practice, not just in theory. You, know, you learn that at home. Um, you learn how to treat the opposite sex. You learn that when you're young. Uh, we learn conflict resolution when we're really young. We, we learn all these, all these kinds of things. All of this really shaping our understanding of what's real in the world. We learn largely from our our blood-related family at home, and so there's so much emphasis that's put uh, on the family and parents disciplining their children. and We're going to get to some of that in the next few weeks. But so learning things within the family makes a lot of sense. Um, there's a study done several years ago uh, of teenagers in America who were involved in their church youth groups, and um, it was all these denominations all over the country, all this kind of stuff, to try to draw a conclusion about what's the what's the view of God of American teenage church kids. And uh, I'll talk about that another couple weeks, what they concluded. But one of the things that came out of it was um, asking these teenagers, like, where where did you get this from? You know? And the number one answer was, my parents. And second place was peers but it was like a huge gap between first and second and so a lot of people think that oh, teenagers no offense to our teenagers but they're like oh, teenagers they just do what their friends do it's like no they do what their parents do primarily uh, that's where they learn it and you go back to like oh yeah it's in the bible okay all right i see the connection now so family is a huge it's a huge thing and it's where we learn so much the faith family comes alongside the blood-related family and uh, hopefully reinforces the stuff that's happening at home. And so you, you have a, a, like small families that are kind of gathered together. And some of you are, like, some of your family, yours, like, your blood family is like, in this room. And some of you, uh, your blood family is not in this room because they would never step foot in here. Uh, some of you have terrible relationships with your family, uh, and rightfully so. And some of you have really great relationships with your family, and that's awesome. And some of you are from other places, so your families are all over the country. And there's, So there's a, a part of the beauty of gathering together with the saints is that uh, we all have these different blood family dynamics. Some are super healthy. Some are super unhealthy. Some are very Jesus-based. Some don't want anything to do with the Lord. Uh, and so... But we gather all together, and as a faith family, we fill in the gaps that the blood family kind of maybe leaves sometimes, so that no, no, no child left behind, right? So that no one is uncovered, that everybody has those things. And so for those who don't, who don't have a father figure in your blood family, who loves Jesus and knows what that means, is ready to train you, God brings you into a faith family and surrounds you with father figures, those kinds of things should be happening. And so we learn indirectly from Jesus through other people in the family, which means you look around. And God's making sure that we have the the opportunity to learn and to teach directly from him, through our abiding, indirectly from him through our family, the relationships in our family. So we as learners, as God-built learners, have vertical opportunity with Christ, horizontal opportunity with each other. So, I, I know it sounds, it sounds, to me it sounds beautiful. Not that I communicate it beautifully, but when you think about it conceptually, you're like, man, that's, yeah, I like that. that that's, I love that. And so what's the, what's the problem I think one of the problems is that we, uh, we don't really often see ourselves as uh, needing to learn. I mean, we all would be really quick to confess our shortcomings and our struggles and all that kind of stuff, but we don't always connect that to needing to learn. You know, We tend to say, like, oh, I'm struggling with this and this and this because I'm just not applying what I know to be true. And that is like I understand that, but what that really means is that you haven't learned it deeply enough yet for it to change, like change you from the inside out. You know, it's it's there, but it's it's not deep enough. And I I don't know where I heard this, but to me, this makes a lot of sense. And if you know where I heard this, if you could tell me, that'd be great. Um, But uh, I've heard it likened to the difference between learning a language through like textbook and then through like immersion you know so in a textbook you go through and you learn like well this is here's the English word here's the Spanish word right you learn all these word equivalents you start to learn what the verbs are you learn how to conjugate them you start to piece together awkward sentences you know that kind of stuff and and so you learn this stuff in a classroom and you try to you try to whatever try to get better at it but you really don't know the Spanish language right Not until you have immersed yourself in the culture. When you immerse yourself in the culture, you begin to learn like dialect and real sentence flow. And you stop sounding like a terrible American Spanish student. And you start to like have those little accents and a little flair to it. But a part of immersion in it is you get immersed in the culture. And you start to learn like, oh, this is not only how they speak, this is how they think. This is how they interact. You can learn Spanish in a classroom with flashcards, but if you really want to understand the language to be fluent, you have to immerse yourself in the culture. And so that's what we do together as a family is we, we there are lots of things we know about the faith through flashcards, right? We know a lot of stats, we know some verses, we know these truths, we know all these kind of things. But, but Jesus, he, he teaches us that stuff directly, absolutely. Um, but as a part of learning, learning the real language, he also, at the same time, emerges us in this culture, in this family, where we're learning those rhythms together. And so we're learning this language of the kingdom of God. We're doing it together. And we're learning it directly from him. And we're learning it from each other. And both from him and from each other involves flashcard-type learning, and it involves immersion. He does that with us in our relationship with him. He does that with our relationship with each other. We're learning both of those kinds of language learning in both of those different kinds of environment. That's the part of the beauty of what we're doing. But you have, to, you have to see yourself, and I have to see myself, as needing to be taught and needing to learn. And to learn deeply, not just to learn, like, I need more facts. It's like, no, I need to be immersed in the culture. I need, to, I need to dive more deeply into these things so that Christ is formed in me, so that I am being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing, and he's given us these different ways to do that. And we're learning this language of the kingdom, but we're living, walking around every day in a very different kind of kingdom that's upside down. And so we have this tension between these two kingdoms. And so, as we live in between these two things, it's like, man, I'm getting all these different messages. Christ is like, yeah, you got to learn from me. you got to learn from me. And the longer we learn from him, we don't conform to the patterns of the other kingdom, but we're transformed as our minds are renewed in both of those environments, as we learn from each other. So, you know, a lot of us want... Uh, I wrote this down. A lot of us want things instantly instead of in a process. Like we wish there was like a shortcut, you know? Um, I remember the first time I saw The Matrix uh, in the theater. I was... It's the only, this is really the only movie I've, I've ever seen multiple times in the theater. And I'm pretty sure... I think I saw it four times, the first one. Not the other ones, you know? The first one. And I, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, it's like... I don't know, it's like the first time you really heard the Beatles, you know, and you're just like, whoa, I've never heard music like this before, you know, or the first time, first time you've you've ever, like, go to, like, a legit, like, museum, like, a real museum, and you're, like, standing in front of these just phenomenal works of art, and it's like something comes alive. The Matrix kind of did that to me, Um, (laughs) and for a number of different ways, Um, but a part of, of The Matrix that was so interesting to me was, like, how they would just download all this stuff into them, you know, like, it was, like, there was, like, this one scene, I think it was, like, jujitsu, where he was, like, I know jujitsu, and they're, like, oh, you do now, and, like, I need to know how to fly this helicopter, and, like, okay, hang on, they're, like, download it, then he knows how to fly this helicopter, you know, I think that we sometimes wish that Christ was like that with us, you know, where it's, like, ah, oh, I just, like, I just, I need to be more patient, and he's, like, okay, hang on, <laughs> boom, now you're more patient, the irony of that whole illustration, right. The patience is formed slowly over time, like everything else. But yet we want it immediately and get frustrated when it's not there. It's because God, he loves the process. He loves the journey. He could have created the whole world in like just an instant. But he's like, no, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do it in in seven increments. Why would he do that? Because he loves process, I assume. So, if he's all about process, and, and, and there aren't shortcuts to this, like it's a time, it's a formational kind of thing, then we have to recognize that he has set us up to succeed in this. So, go back to Matthew 11, as we zero in on this. Verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He's talking to people who are completely burned out on religious life. The Jewish folks—they were—they were always having to keep the rules, and they had hundreds of laws, and they were, it was just so tiresome, it was so burdensome. And the reason it was burdensome is because here they're trying to combat sin, but they can't do it. That's the thing. Like you—you you cannot do this. That's really what what he's getting at here. He's like, "Are you tired? Are you worn out?" Are you realizing now that you can't get this done? That you can't heal yourself? That you can't fix yourself? Are you realizing this is beyond you? If that's where you are, then come to me. Come to me and I'll give you, what? Rest. And I know know that some of you are very tired. Um... Maybe it's from keeping the rules. Maybe it really just comes down to just trying to fix yourself. You've been trying and trying and trying. He's like, hey, come to me. And I'll give you rest. And then he says, He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay? Rest the deep, deep rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you go back to 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, I brought a, a yoke with me. Um, this, uh, this is super heavy, so I'm going to rest it here. Um, so this yoke is one of my prized possessions given to me by my parents uh, as an ordination gift. Uh, so thanks, Mom and Dad, for that. Um, and it comes, comes down to this text being very important to me and to a lot of people that I am close with. Um, so th- Jesus here uses this like agricultural like, object lesson. right? So in their day, uh, everybody was very familiar with the use of these, and I've referenced this over the years, but um, the way that it would work is you would, you'd put two animals in here. In order to you know, like plow the fields and just do all the work, pull the carts, whatever whatever needed to be done. Um, and the yoke was an instrument of work, but also an instrument of learning. And the way that it would work is you would uh, you would have on one side a veteran, seasoned animal. On the other side, you would you would yoke to that veteran. You would yoke a rookie to that animal. Um, so rather than trying to teach like an ox or something like that, like the commands of the master and how to do all this kind of stuff, you know that they're, they're not going to learn. So what do you do? You, you tie them together. And as the veteran is like going along, he's dragging the rookie along. And when the master like makes whatever noise he wants uh, to, to tell him to stop or pulls back or whatever, the veteran stops and then the rookie Whoa, stops, you know. If the master wants to go veer to the right, then the, the veteran knows to do that, and drags the other one to the right. And it's an instrument of learning because uh, over time, the rookie is being trained by the veteran. And so the yoke is an instrument of learning and an instrument of mentorship and an instrument of teaching and formation, so that the rookie stops acting like a rookie, starts to act like a veteran. And then at some point, the rookie gets put in the other side, and a new rookie comes in, and that's how it works on the farms and stuff. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So Jesus is the veteran. You are the rookie. And you're like, I've been a Christian for 30 years. It doesn't matter. You're definitely not a better... This is more seasoned veteran than Jesus, all right? Um, so, he's like, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Through this illustration, Jesus is telling us, like, you know what, you, you can't do it. You, you've been trying to fix yourself. You've been trying to heal yourself. You've been trying to bring about change By digging in and trying harder, and you can't do it, and you're worn out. And if that's you, come to me. I'll give you rest in your soul. Take my yoke upon you and just learn from me. So whatever that you're going through, we learn from him. So this and the vine and the branches tie together perfectly. And when we abide in him, we're learning from him directly. So, when we read the Bible, it looks like this. When we pray, it looks like this. When we listen, it looks like this. When we worship, it looks like this. Everything that we're doing looks like this. When you're trying to figure out how to, how, to, how to deal with these sin patterns in your life, it looks like this. A lot of us, though, we, we try to, like, crawl out of this. Like, no, no, I got this. I got this. Jesus is like, you don't. You clearly don't. Come to me. Come to me. You're going to get really tired. Come to me. There's always room in the yoke. Just come to me. Learn from me. That's a heck of an invitation for us. And it doesn't ever go away. And so you can't do it on your own. The yoke is, a, it, it is an instrument of work. So don't make any mistake about it. It's work. But look at the last verse in verse 30 he says uh, something really beautiful. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. he says, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to take some steps. You're going to have to do some pulling. But I'm going to empower that. I'm going to make that real for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is deep rest. So, it's also the case for us indirectly within the family is that Sometimes you are the seasoned veteran and you need to sit down with a rookie and say, hey, let's talk about praying. Let's talk about obedience. Hey, let's talk about being a newlywed. Hey, let's talk, about, let's talk about what it means to have your first kid. Hey, let's talk about faith. Hey, let's talk about grace. Hey, let's talk about legalism. Hey, let's talk about whatever. Sometimes you're on the veteran side. Sometimes you're on the learning side truth is, we both spend time on both sides. And that's a lot of where we're going to focus over the next couple weeks, is what what that looks like, what this looks like in a horizontal sense, us to one another. But all that really flows from the first one, which is directly with Jesus on one side and you on the other side. And so he's put us together to learn as a family and to learn some pretty incredible things. Uh, We're going to talk more about what that can look like And I believe God's going to stir us in some good ways, but it's all going to come down to seeing Him for who He is to us and taking Him up on His offer. Let's pray together, and we'll sing a little bit. Tell you what, let's stand. Let's stand up. God, thank you for... um, for illustrations like this that uh, it's, it's pretty easy to wrap our minds around it. We can visually, we can understand this concept and uh, what we really need to understand is the beauty of the offer that you um, would not only create us and die to redeem us but now offer to come in and train us To train us in godliness, to train us in holiness, to help us as we uh, pursue a deeper faith and a deeper walk and transformation. Uh, that you would so graciously just say, just just come to me, just keep keep coming to me. It's not just for the day that you are saved, it's, it's every moment of every day. We live life in the yoke of God, I just very humbly ask for your help in really grasping this. And yeah, we're going to build on this and talk about discipleship within the family, but it all begins with our personal discipleship with you, learning directly from you. So help us, Lord.